All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast, episode number 241. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Eichbrett. And join with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Full. What's going on, dude? Sore. Very sore. <laughs> but Sounds like you're getting old, bud. I'm getting old now that we're above 30. You know, the, the clock is ticking down here, I guess, as they say once you turn 30, right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's rough. Lake Erie's whooping me. Catching a lot of smallmouth hurts. It's, it's just funny. Hey, man, we, we missed you last Friday, uh, obviously because it was your birthday. So we gave you the day off so you can go and you can go fish on your birthday, whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but now, dude, you're, you're a first-year Lake Erie smallmouth guide, and now your back already hurts. you got a lifetime of working ahead of you, dude. you got to get used to it. Yeah, it's fine. The back hurting comes from my wrestling days and football days. So it's it's just pain management at this point. Just kind of Zach Galifianakis was such a wrestler. Like you know, <laughs> we're we're getting there, man. Like another couple days, this hair is gonna be long enough. Like I think I got a haircut like two months ago, and it's already like a bush. So it doesn't take very long. <laughs> the beard is getting there. Like if I spike it out, we'll look real good. Just need some aviator glasses, and we're ready to go. Yeah, the baby in the 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 backpack in the front, and everything. Yeah, I just need a fanny pack and to wear like a shirt up past my belly button. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bring back the mesh belly shirts. Oh God, I feel bad for anybody who sees that photo. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, some quick notes uh, for folks uh, as we had a tournament this past weekend. Uh, sound like the wind stayed and went with you today when you got in the water this morning. Uh, sounds like it was even worse wind wise this morning. But uh, we had a tournament on Saturday. That uh, we were, we ended up in what fourth? Yeah, fourth place. Uh, with a little bit over twenty pounds. Took like twenty two, I think, to win. Uh, but I think literally second, third, and and us were like within like point one. Yeah, it was point like twenty point four nine, and then twenty point three eight, and we had three three. Yeah. Either way, it was an A rig smash fest. Like literally, everyone in the top five was like almost bumper to bumper, like ten yards away. And we're all just, laughing. Yeah, everyone's just joking around, smashing on because there's really no rhythm to it. But uh, uh, it's kind of cool. I think we're gonna we're gonna have that show coming out in a few weeks, um, and I'm gonna talk through why I think the bite got really good and later in the day, which is something we can probably touch on after the show, Andrew. Yeah. I thought it was. I'm a firm believer in my theory of that mudline getting you know drawing those fish closer and closer, almost kind of like what we're gonna get into with Hunter here, talking about when you're fishing shallow, fishing shade lines as it gets tighter, it draws those fish closer to the bank. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, so we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, uh, we got some stuff upcoming uh, for this Saturday. Andrew, I, don't, I think you got some guide trips. Uh, but uh, I got another one last state championship, Bass Kayak State Championship up here in New York on Chautauqua. Uh, it's another two-day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another two-day. Uh, and we'll be mixing that one in. We'll finally putting out some videos and car camping because I'll be sleeping in my car this weekend. Uh, decided last weekend after my horrible – Horrible tournament. There. Did they get ten and kayaks yet? That's a great question. <laughs> this this trail struggled to get ten people, but I think regardless of tournament or not, I need to go back down there and get revenge on that lake. So either way, you guys will have to look out for that video. But uh, dude, I think without further ado, we need to get him on the show here. Yeah, let's get him on, Mister Hunter Shyak. What's going on, dude? What's up, guys? <laughs> How's it going? Good. How how are you guys doing? 
Pretty good. Uh, besides the fact that uh, you called my lacrosse helmet a rugby helmet, off. I did, dude. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why wasn't we live at that time? Because it was <laughs> like you freaking goon, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I think all those lacrosse. Yeah, I, I totally just duffed that one. So anyhow, that's on me. I don't know what I'm talking. <laughs> I am a football fan, but not lacrosse. I'm not a lacrosse fan, I guess. I've never even watched the sport, so. <laughs> Tell me, so you played, did you, you play never college? Watched, how do you know you're not a fan? You wouldn't well, know until I, you watch the game. Because I don't. Because I don't watch. Like I'm not. Like I'm not interested in it. Like not that I don't like it. You guys are putting me. In you a don't need to save yourself, man. Just brutalize <laughs> it. It's okay. I know. Like, I'm gonna just. I focus on fishing. I don't know anything else. That's about how it is. <laughs> It's okay. You can be honest that it's too many motocross concussions. It's okay. Hey, that's a serious serious (laughs) conversation right there. Uh, So so lacrosse, you played that in college then or no? No, speaking of concussions, I couldn't play in lacrosse because of concussions. Really? Yeah, so I played travel and high school. Makes sense. No, that was actually uh, an internship I did for uh, Notre Dame, and I was a hockey lacrosse fan, so my going away gift was a Hockey jersey and a lacrosse helmet that were like game one. Wow! So yeah, it's pretty cool. Concussion stuff. You had quite a few of them then. Yeah, New York's got like a law. It's like I think five or something like that on on paper. And I was at yeah. four. And basically, my doctor's just like, I'm sure there's more off record. So if you want like to have brain cells at thirty, you might want to stop. Yeah. So I didn't didn't pursue that one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's some scary stuff. That's a sketchy situation with all that stuff. You don't think about it at the time no. because you're in it, but like now you're a little bit older and you you look back. I mean, I wouldn't change anything, but I think I'm lucky to get out of racing when I did, even though it, it sucked at the time. But for sure, yeah, yeah, you're like 16, 17. You're like, yeah, just man, no, push through, and you know, it doesn't oh, affect yeah. you then. It affects you when you're like fifty. And you, your yeah. body's dwindling. You, <laughs> yeah. you, just don't, you just don't know. Like they're still going through so much studies of that stuff right now. So oh, bass dude, fishing yeah. is a lot safer. It's either you get hooked in the hand or like you're you dead. You jar back. It's one or the other. <laughs> or you jar your back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's not a lot of in between. It's not yeah. like, oh man, I got hurt this week. I'm not going to fish that tournament. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. not. You can make it happen. Yeah, you can make it happen. (laughs) Yeah, as long as you get some braid on you, you'll be good. What part part of Erie are you guys fishing? I live in Buffalo. Well, so does Bailey now, but yeah, the best part of Erie. Okay, yeah, I like it. So I don't know if you heard, but uh, was it a week and a half ago, there was like a 20-boat tournament, 29-3-1 in the Team Derby. Wow. 28-3, 28-3, sorry. 28-3. I'm, I'm reminiscing on October last year when you could round that up. Justin caught 28-3. Yeah. 30 pounds of smallmouth in the fall. <laughs> and it's not even like cold. It's not even like cold season yet. No. It's so just gonna, starting. That's the crazy thing about it is like they pack on those, those three and a half pounders that you catch a bunch of or the ones that are right close to four turn yep. into – like four, four and a half, quarters. four, eight. Yeah. yeah, like, dude, they're this long and this big around. Unbelievable. Such a fun bite. Yeah, I, our I finger lakes get that way too. Like, 
I caught one with Andrew this past spring that was 17 and a half, and I think it was 17 around. Uh, I think it was literally, it's not even a bowling ball at that point. It's just a blimp. It's just a blimp. Yes. <laughs> it, it couldn't yeah. move its tail. It was so fat. Dude, northern fish, northern fish do not give a crap. They are tough dudes for sure. <laughs> They're not very finicky. They're you know, not very smart. Like I like northern fish for the most part. Most times are just not enough of them unless you get up to your neck of the woods in New yeah. York and stuff like that. Where I'm at in Ohio, mm. unless you go to Erie, there's nothing else to really fish. So that's why we had to get out of Ohio. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're down south now, right? Bama or <laughs> Yeah, we moved down to like Chickamauga. Yeah. Nice. So it's, it's place fun to be able to go. Yeah, it's nice to be able to go catch a bass. Like, I'm going to go try this today or I'm going to go try that and kind of get dialed in on stuff instead of, like, go do the same exact thing just to go get five bites. That's that's right. basically what I did before. So <laughs> so really fast before we get into the, the thick of the show, do you think you would have been better off growing up as an angler where you're at now? Or do you think you were still better off growing up in Ohio? You know, it's, it's tough to say, like, because there's, there's people listening on here or that's going to watch this. And at the end of the day, you can learn as much as you want to learn wherever you're at. But there are a lot more benefits to this part of the country in the southeast, I feel like, than what I was in. The thing that, that really helped me was when I, like, I started fishing in 2012. So... Fletcher kind of took me under his wing and was like, if you want to be good, you need to go fish the opens next year. And so I got to go see a lot of those lakes, you know, all over the country. And I had no clue what I was doing, but I just got that experience of seeing different situations. And at the end of the day, that's all fishing is. And I feel like you just get to see more situations in the Southeast you know, on a weekly basis, monthly basis, you have more opportunities to see those situations where, you know, here in a couple months, it's going to be freezing. You know, the fishing's not, you know, not very good, or at least in my home state, it wasn't. Um, and it was, I was limited, you know, really I was, I had to go, I had to travel really far to be able to go get those experiences. So in a nutshell, yes, you're, it's, it, I probably would have benefited more, but at the same time, you know, I do know how to, I guess, grind it out at the end of the day when, when things do get tough, um, <laughs> there is something to say about that, but you still got to be catching fish to get better at fishing. Um, right. That there's something to that, that, you know, when you go out and you get seven, eight, 10 bites, that may not be a lot, but maybe it's doing something that you're not comfortable doing. So now you're, you know, you got that in your back pocket, you know, you check that off your list or you feel comfortable with it to go explore more options where if I wanted to go fish offshore in Ohio, wasn't really going to happen, you know? And then it's like, you wasted how much time trying to find something that may not even exist. And now you're, you're defeat, you're, you're beating your confidence down in something that would work elsewhere. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lot of guys, a lot of anglers that come out of the Southeast for a reason though. You know, and they, yeah. they did their homework. They grew up on places like Gunnersville. You got Matt and Jordan Lee. I mean, you could go on and on and on, but then again, you got guys that come out from the North too. So at the end of the day, it's, 
I think at this point in the game, everybody's gets to the point that they know how to fish. It just all really just comes down to decisions and stuff like that. But getting to that point, seeing those situations, being a Rick Clun and seeing seeing that same situation nine thousand times, and then here comes Hunter. You know, da, 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 here. Oh, I haven't seen this one before. Eightieth place. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Bomb. Yep. Oh, I learned that lesson. You know. Better luck next time, bud. Yeah, better luck next time. Exactly. <laughs> Rick's like, yeah, if I just I went over here and threw my square bill and caught me enough weight to do what I need to do and get out of this tournament because I knew it was going to, you know, be crappy because he's seen it before. So, right. Uh, anyhow, we could go on and yeah. on about that. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, really, when it comes down to it, and this might be just opinion, and really, this is probably what the argument will come down to there really is not going to be an end result of is it better to be from the north or the south but exactly. i think nowadays you just have to have the willingness and the ability to to travel because that's the yes. only way you're going to get well-rounded yep i mean i look back on it there was so many times that we had opportunities to go to a new body of water maybe it was to film something maybe it was just to Hey, we're going, you know, Fletcher had an elite event there next year and I was just going to fish like with them or something. There was never a wasted trip that I felt like at the time, like, I'm, you know, I don't want to spend the money on this or yada, yada, yada. But all those experiences come full circle at some point or in the other. And I know you guys have the same experiences. You went somewhere that you, you know, may or may not have really wanted to go, but then, you know, eight years later you got a tournament there at the same time and you're like oh wow pulled that out of the bank you know i've done this and did that or you're using that region of the country so <clears throat> going back to what you're saying being able to travel or just explore different places is if you know if you're wanting to fish for a living or just be good on a national level then you have to be able to you know travel and get those experiences no doubt right yeah, because there, there's so many, so many anglers locally, everywhere across the country that are really, really good, like yeah. really dang good. And it's yeah, like, that's why they, they say like the BFLs and the Feds are like the hardest <clears throat> things to win now. Yes, they're. I mean, they're so legit. And and not that those anglers couldn't go elsewhere and catch them, but I because right. I guarantee you they could. But across the you know eight ten tournaments you're going to see the flaws, you know, in their shield eventually where they haven't had that experience. Now, not saying that they couldn't, but the point is, is there is a ton of good anglers all over the, all over the country. Oh yeah. With every one pro, there's five more that you've never heard about that could be just as good. Yes. They could take your lunch money every day. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I actually know this, but how, how much older is Fletcher than you? He's three years older than me. Three years old? Yeah. Was was he kind of your your in for fishing, or how did you guys kind of get introduced to, to bass fishing in the first place? Yeah, so he'd done it. He was big into it when he was a little kid. Like, he's got his own – not YouTube, because YouTube wasn't even created yet. But, like, when he was nine, <laughs> ten years old, he was making his own videos and stuff for fishing. And then, of course, racing comes along. I was never – I could always fish, but I wasn't into it like that um and then we both started racing and then eventually once we got out of racing he took up fishing again and next thing you know <clears throat> he wins an open he qualifies for the the elites and this was all in 
a couple year span and I'm over here like just you know I'm not racing anymore I'm like man I <laughs> I want to do something and I, once I finished my first tournament I was like hooked and then I'm like going to him well what do I need to do for this what do I need to do for that so basically you know he's took me under his wing and I'm kind of like a carbon copy print of Fletcher fishing on the water. I'm <laughs> kind of in a way like I'm, you know, yeah. second nature to what he's doing. Uh, but that's, you know, he's done a lot. I mean, he's shortened my learning curve overall has been, you know, you, to be able to pick up the phone and just be like, Hey, I did this or what, what about that? And don't do this. You're an idiot. Uh, you need to, <laughs> you know, you need to be doing this, you know, that type of type of stuff like that throughout my career was, you know, so beneficial, especially fishing the opens, going to new bodies of water and he wouldn't be there or whatnot. And just, you know, to bounce that off of him. Um, and here we are today. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like that's, that's huge. I mean, it's, uh, it's, oh, like you said, you know, shorten that learning curve. It's like, you know, Laker Howell with his dad, you know, Randy Howell. I mean, it's, yeah. It's something that's awesome to be brought into, and it helps you kind of almost gain an edge in terms of trying to get up to speed. Where like there's folks from a, a non-fishing family that had to learn everything themselves if they didn't have right. any resources around them. So it, it's, it, it's yeah, I'm saying it's something does, that's good to be get into to, to born. Into. Yeah, for sure. Like just to be able to, to for someone to be like, yes, this is what you need, or you need to be using this. But at the end of the day, because going back to being a lot of good anglers, or or just parents in general that probably generally help their kids out and stuff. But it all ultimately all still comes back to being able to go and fail. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, because he, he, until you do it, you're not going to ever know that, that uh, failure very good. Like you're not going to be like, Oh, I'm not going to go do this this weekend because the weather is going to be different. You're going to, you're going to go there not know what to do. And you're going to have to fail to go through those processes basically to, to learn that lesson. Um, so, you know, as much as what Fletcher would has taught me, like I still had to go through things that he, he would like, no, don't do this. I'd still go do it and get my butt kicked. You know, you had to learn those lessons, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, overall it's just, I mean, that's, that's fishing in general is, you know, being able to put yourself in as many lessons as possible. Uh, you know, going back to me fishing the opens, dude, I sucked a lot. (laughs) So, but those are the tournaments that was ultimately the ones that really, you know, you learned, learn the most, like you remember those, the ones that you finished 20th, 30th, 40th. Yeah. Okay. You remember, but like you learn the most when you fail. Um, And that's why I was trying to tell younger anglers, like just be good at failing for fishing is, is not, not accepting to lose but like just understanding that it, you know, you're not always going to be the top guy. If you're not, you know, there's only one Jacob Wheeler, one Jordan Lee, you know, the top guys, one Kevin Van Dam. There's only a couple of them. So you're going to have to fail, you know, and just, and take it for what it is. Like, yeah, it sucks to lose. Like I hate, hate losing. And everyone else that I fish against hates losing, but we lose so much all the time. <laughs> 99% of the time you're looking well, me. I've lost a hundred percent of the time, but um, you know, just being able to just pull the, the, the lessons out of that stuff and keep moving forward is, is a big deal. Yeah. To be able to put the boat in the trailer and when you're on your ride home, be able to have something click where you're like, okay, I should have made this decision. 
you make that decision next time and it works out. And that's just kind of making a failure into a success. You know, that's why they say you 24 hour failure, 24 and, hour rule or a 48 yeah. hour rule. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's 48 hours. <laughs> I guess I could ask this question from there. Like, say you have a bad tournament with like live and everything out there now. Do you go back and watch? <clears throat> like some of the live events on say YouTube and see what possibly you miss when you have a bad tournament to see what other oh, anglers are doing. Every one of them. <laughs> Everyone. There's not a single, probably not a single angler that, that doesn't go back and watch all that live footage, yeah. which is kind of, I mean, in a way it does kind of stink um, to have all that information. That's because it's not just me. Yeah. It's everyone. 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 And, and more so, a lot of the anglers around that region. So is it necessarily going to be on that dot or waypoint that you, you know, no, not really, but maybe just the way someone went about it and how that tournament unfolded because more times than not that stuff never like how many times you go back to the same event and it's one out of the same area. Not very often. It all, it's always okay. something a little different. There's always, you know, even if it's the same time of the year, Say like St. John's River. How many times have we been there? I think it's like 88th time we're going to be going back there. And it'll be one in a different area than what it has. I mean, some of the same places play, obviously. It's Florida. But I doubt the same place will be one out of, again, it'll be just a little different, but similar. So, Well, let's dive into this. Yeah, let's let's dive into this because we, you know, one of the biggest things we wanted to talk to you about was being successful being a shallow water fisherman. And I think that's one of those things that you've got the label of now is being able to be successful and consistent in shallow water. Uh, and, and the first thing to start this off, I'm really curious about how this molds. And this is actually very similar, I think, to Andrew and what Andrew's response to this is going to be. Um, is so you're from Ohio, and I've watched episodes of you and Fletcher going out and smashing smallmouth on Erie and the Great Lakes. So I know you guys are well versed with brownfish. So yeah. what kind of you know being in Ohio, what made you guys become shallow water hammers? Like what what is your <laughs> instinct to just go shallow versus being these offshore demons? I think it's like anywhere else in Ohio, like all the places that we lived around, uh, and kind of Fletcher grew up fishing and stuff. It's all shallow. You know, it's all shallow water junk fishing uh, that you're basically you're scraping and clawing to get five bites. So all the stuff on Erie is like it's its own. That's its own deal. Like and and I wish offshore fishing was like smallmouth fishing on Erie. It'd be a heck of a lot easier. (laughs) But it it is not. (laughs) I've learned that the hard way. Oh, let me just um, go find this rock in 42 feet of water, and I'm going to be yeah. able to catch a big largemouth. No, nope. there's going to be a dodo <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> it can be, it can be pretty dumb at times. I've, I've gotten better with it, but I'm all, yeah, I'm, I'm always leaning towards that shallow water, and I think predominantly just because those, those little lakes that we have, like I said, you didn't, you didn't really catch them out of five foot or deeper. Like it's all five foot or shallower lay downs, little, little bars, or just the typical, you know, little grass patches of milfoil, the typical, you know, just Northern grinding type of place. Cause it's not like New York where you got this you know, massive grass flats and, 
shoals and stuff like that, where it's you know, big schools of largemouth. We got no, they they plant musky in our lakes. So. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Yikes! Yes. No, so thanks. I think that's where <laughs> I think we get that from <laughs> is just. Um, you know, we're just so used to doing that, you know, going cranking rip rap and it just whatever you got to do to get a bite, throwing a shaky head, uh, stuff like that. I always tend to gravitate towards that t- kind of stuff for sure. What was, uh, you know, having that mindset then, you know, obviously getting your start and going into the opens, right? This was the opens your, your first trail. That was a, a multi-day format event. Yes. Yep. So what was that adjustment like going from like just a single day Saturday tournament to this multi-day format and still having that style of fishing shallow, junk fishing, that sort of thing? Right. Yeah. It it took me a while to figure it out because I think the biggest thing a lot of people have problems with, and it took me a while, and I still do it. Don't get me wrong. I've not mastered anything by no means, but to, to go back to the same water that you fished, like... Mm -hmm shallow water fishing you have x amount depends on what time of the year it is you know springtime obviously you got fish coming and going you know that's kind of a a given but let's just say just the whole year in general i feel like the shallow water stuff you're not pulling up to an offshore spot where there's you know 10 15 20 bass you're kind of hunting and pecking individual fish you know and let if you get five bites in a you know five fish format that's all you need and if they are all four to five pounders i'm in you know i'm i'm good with that if i if i'm only getting five to seven bites a day i'm cool with that uh but those individual fish those individual places uh you do one day okay good job well those fish are gone right and then you want to come back the next day and you want to repeat everything that you did in your head and what happened on the water and you want to go to this spot again and this spot and this dock and this tree but more than likely, you know, those fish are gone. So being able to go to new places or fun, just have general areas and figure those fish out throughout the tournament is, has, you know, provided me with a lot of su- success on the Elite Series. Uh, not getting so locked in that I have to go here and catch this. I have, you know, unless it's current related, like, okay, they're, they're in a tree because there's current. You know, there's going to be more fish reloading, but knowing mm. that you catch those fish, you got to keep going. You know, you can't go repeat everything again. I mean, probably a prime example, uh, I, and I'm sure Lake Norman, they just had that open, but they was catching a lot of them off docks, a lot of key docks. And they'd catch multiple right. fish off those docks. But then again, there's there are individual fish on those docks as well. You know, I'm sure they they were wolf packing and they would group up a bunch on a dock. But being able to cover new stretches of docks, I'm sure the guy that won had his key stretches, but he also had to go fish new water. Um, mm-hmm. So not getting completely so dialed in on this is what I have to do compared to having a couple areas that you got bites in and being able to just go, this is what the day's given me. You know, maybe you're going to pick up a buzz bait instead of flipping in between that stretch. This, you know, we could go into you know even more on that. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, going back even further, practicing for this stuff, a multi-day yeah. event, how many guys come in and like, dude, I crushed them. 
got getting bit in the back of the pockets or you're fishing in open and everybody's practicing and, and they're and we're all doing this we're all crisscrossing doing the same deal guess mm-hmm. what i'm out i'm i've been burned doing that too many times everyone's running to the backs of the pockets i'm out like i, I gotta go find something else because we, we know what's going to happen you might get lucky the first day and be the first one in the back of each pocket but day two go get like Go somewhere else. Go figure something else out because more times than not, you're going to get burned. Those fish are gone. Um, But like going back to practice, catching fish in practice. I don't know how many like this year. Truthfully, I don't know if I've caught like more than a limit in three days of practice, like five bass. So like intentionally mean it was so like you're shaking. Yeah, like I'm not exactly. Yes. Like now, obviously, if you're doing doing things like if you're throwing a jerk bait, you know, it's kind of hard to throw a jerk bait without hooks. You can clip the hooks. I've done Mm -hmm. that. Had to do that before. Uh, But like if you got something where you can you have to set the hook on it. Why are you going to go catching all these fish that, you know, if they're target oriented, more than likely single fish or only a couple fish there do not go and burn up all those fish. Um, I've just become really comfortable with just trusting, you know, if you're somewhere like a tidal fishery where you got, you know, snakeheads or something, you know, pike up in New York, you do have to set the hook a little bit more, but <laughs> still, even then, like if I get four bites, five bites, more than likely they're going to be bass. Um, and I'm going to trust that and I don't have to catch them. Like, that's why we practice beforehand. Don't go practicing at the tournament, right before the tournament. It's a week before set the hook on a couple, but I wouldn't be setting them out of a tree or a dock or, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. I I wouldn't be doing it. I might go back and check it or whatever. Um, but I just think a lot of, uh, a lot of inexperienced anglers will, will take and set the hook too much. And that it, and then, and then you're going back and trying to repeat your day that you had in practice and they're not there. You know, if you're someplace like Gunnersville on a grass line or up in New York where you, you know, you're flipping grass and you've got to scrape a 20 bites. Well, yeah, you're probably not going to hurt them to catch a couple. Um, but overall, uh, using a screw lock or just not setting a hook mm-hmm. makes a big, big difference. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's a perfect point. So so last uh, Friday we had Buck Mallory on, who won at Lake Winnebago for the NPFL. Yeah, and that's one of the one of the things he said too was in practice his winning area. He found he pulled up, he got bit twice really fast. Another angler was coming out of it, and he's like, "Oh, well, you found this area too." And basically, long story short, the angler went and just smashed him for three days. And thank I me, mean, thankfully, I guess the area was just super productive with the current it had. That he yeah. ended up coming back and catching them. But he's just like, dude, what are you doing catching so many fish in practice? I mean, that's, he goes, yeah, I caught like a five and a half pounder, which a five and a half for a Winnebago is like a 10 pounder. So it's like, <laughs> so he's like, dude, what are you doing setting the hook on these fish? And I think yes. what's a really another good uh, example is uh, a couple weeks ago, I had a tournament where we were practicing for it and I was punching mats and I, I put on a screw lock so I wasn't setting the hook on anything. So I knew if they're going to be under mats, I'm going to get more than one bite. That's a pass. Easy yeah. it is. That's what it's gonna be, no doubt. Yeah. And I, I had people in my house who were like, "What are you doing? Not setting the hook? Like, what are you talking about? You don't want to catch a fish? Like you're here, catch a fish." 
I'm like, cause I want to catch him on Saturday and Sunday. And like, yep. I don't want to catch him now. I think that's a hard concept for some people to, to hurdle. It is. A, absolutely. And that's, that's a really good point you brought up is just having the tenacity to actually not be, because I mean, I, I talked to Jordan Lee about this and it's funny. He's like, I've never shaken a fish off in my life. And what? that's, Yeah. <laughs> He may have shaken, shook a couple off, but he's he's like I like catching fish too much to not shake them off. Well, good for him. It's fairly working. Well, I think I think too, and that's what I got him to say. He, I'm like, you know, but you leave the area. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to sit there and keep fishing, right? Like I'm not so going to fish an asterisk. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to fish the entire creek and catch every bass that bites. So. You know, he, he'll get a couple bites, which, like I said, you got to catch a couple fish, right? Mm-hmm. Just kind of see the size. But having that, like what you did, and not be sitting there catching everyone and, and knowing that, hey, I want to catch these during the tournament, that's a tough thing to do. Because how many times have we all went out and shook them off and then <laughs> come back and everything's changed? Smallmouth. Which is oh. exactly what happened. <laughs> Everything's freaking changed. You're like, I should have set the hook on every one of these jokers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I it probably would have stayed. <laughs> yeah, probably. You would have had a lot better time. I know that. But yeah, Florida's the worst for that, too. The absolute uh. worst. Could have some phenomenal days. Punching mats is bad, too. Show up at the wrong time of the day and they ain't biting. You're like, well, I had 15 bites through here in practice. I should have jerked on eight of them. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's it's very tough to do. But overall, if you want to do good in the tournament, you got to be be able to put that screw lock on and don't don't not put the screw lock on and be like, well, I'm not. I'm going to shake them off, dude. You know how many times a four pounder will run with a jig and never drop it? Oh man. <laughs> like not drop it soft plastic or max scent. Like it will, you sit there and shake and shake and shake. And that, that thing will run. It'll just pull you down and, and it'll <laughs> eventually hook itself. I'm serious. Yeah. See how long they actually, they don't let go of it. They hold on. Uh, so, so really cool story. Uh, with the same punching deal. I was throwing out, I was a max scent creature hog. I was practicing with, and I ended up going with some power bait pit boss. Just because I I, I found that max scent's hard to punch with, at least like to, because it's just soft. Everyone yep. knows that. But yeah, uh, one of the guys that was around me that I knew he wasn't going to come to that area, and he's like, dude, there's no way you're getting bit in that mat. He's like, there's no way. And so I I brought him over just to show him. I made him put a dummy on. He wasn't using a hook. I'm like, you're not using a hook. You're not setting the hook on this damn thing. And I told him, let's go over to that mat. Like I got bit twice, and it's longer. Like you can just go check it out. And he just puts on this, I think it was like an Excite Baits or something like that. And I had a max set, and he got bit. And he goes, you guys, I barely picked it up. I didn't even have it. And I'm like, huh. And it kind of started turning in my head. And I'm like, try it, like, go down the mat, see if you get bit again. He goes, you guys, it barely picked it up again. I'm like, try this. And I threw him a creature hog. He goes, dude, it won't let go. And I'm like, I'm like, there you go. I just sold some max set. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that, yeah, that sends the juice. It's so good. Yeah. It is. It is. And it's a big deal talking about shallow, talking about shallow water fishing, um, being able to be consistent. And a lot of times, like we said, individual fish, you're not, it's not a bunch of big groups of fish. Dude, those fish see a lot of stuff. 
throughout the year and they've become educated. And now we have the COVID bite, COVID bite being everyone's fishing. So any major body of water, you know, if it looks fishy, it's been fished. Is there still fish there? Probably so. But you got to give them something, you know, a little bit different, a little tweak, a little this, whether it's more finesse, bigger presentation. And everyone's so gun-ho gun with the Maxent on smallmouth. Um, but it, <laughs> everyone's starting to pick up on the largemouth stuff, which I've kind of kept quiet about it for a while. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's as good for largemouth as what it is for smallmouth, and most people don't realize it. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen it around pressured fish. Like what you're telling me is like, it doesn't shock me <laughs> because I've been <laughs> in situations where the same deal, actually the first time that I ever got Maxent, like way back when they first came out with it, they shipped it to me. I'm like, what is this crap? Okay. What's this contraption? And I took it to my lake and I've just fishing with it. Cause I got, you know, five bags of creature hogs and it is a do nothing bait. Am I Am I right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it doesn't it's, move. <laughs> it's a creature style bait, zero action, right? Which mm-hmm. obviously the action moving water, or yeah, it's moving water with the ribs, stuff like that. But you don't think of it like this is going to, this is going to be awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. But I went around and I think I caught like seven or eight fish, caught a four and a three on a place that you don't, you don't get those bites. Okay. And I'm like, huh, <laughs> they were biting okay. today. No, I, dude, I, I didn't use it for probably six or eight months. Again, honest story. And this was back when I was fishing the opens because it came out in like what? I don't know. It was a while ago. 2018 or 19, right? Was it 2018? It was three or four years ago it came out. I think it was the year. like So when it blew up, I think it blew up when uh, Lucas won that Toyota or whatever on Lake Erie. I think that's when it really took off. Year before when he won at the St. Lawrence. Was it big then? Are you no, sure? I think it came out in 18. I think you're he, right. he won the St. Lawrence on it. When did Oh, that I didn't know. I, I thought he won on Virgin. It may not even say. It was when him and Bertrand were fighting out deep on like the buoy <laughs> line. Yeah, because I think that was the year they caught him at Oahe on it too. Can't talk about that. Anyhow, um, right. <laughs> so so Silence. I didn't. I, I caught I caught fish on it that day, but I didn't put two and two, two together. Two. Yeah, like I just like oh they just bit. Like it was a good day for them to bite, and it was so far after that I picked them up again at another local place and went and I went and caught them again. I'm like all right, and I started using it. I started going behind people. You could use it as a jig trailer. I'm, you know, I don't know if Bill Lowen put, yeah, I, I think he put it out there. He won Pickwick on it as a jig trailer. Um, that I didn't know. I didn't know. I knew he had like some I'm not really, I'm not, I, I hope I'm not throwing him under the bus with sponsors or something, but I think he, the picture of his jig is online with a Maxent uh, meaty chunk trailer. Like John mm-hmm. Cox swimming that jig with a meaty chunk on the back. Mm-hmm. I could go on and on, but the, I think when it comes down to it, there's something about it that delivers, you know, it's kind of like a Ned rig. Like why the, why the hell did they bite a Ned rig? But they do. It's, you could lock a Ned rig in your hand and do a lot of damage all year. Like 
a wacky oh, one. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like Max set falls, you know, Max set yeah. for largemouth falls into that category, I feel like. So um, it's another big deal to separate yourself, have something different, fish and shallow. Right. Especially when those fish are really pressured. And, and this time of the year, the fall is like major, major pressure. You know, they've seen everything at this point. Giving them something different makes a big difference. No, definitely. And I don't think, think, think Bill Lowen even has a plastic sponsor, so I think you're good. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, tell, me but, about yeah. the, tell me about the smallmouth, Andrew. What about the smallmouth? The max <laughs> sense smallmouth? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's impossible to get flatworms, and I think I have the most packs in Buffalo besides my buddy Jeff. So, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, quick correction here. Quick correction. And, Andrew you was more uh, than Jeff. You don't have more than Jeff Bailey. <laughs> I never said I was. Oh, I, I was just saying know. a quick correction that Bertrand won the St. Lawrence, not Lucas. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I did close. apologize. I There were one, two, and it was very close. I remember that. Yeah. So. Come on now. You got to get your history correct here. We're supposed you to be professionals, AOI. Andrew. You want AOI, right? We're dangling yep. here. We're dangling. <laughs> so, so getting back on this whole shallow, we could go on for max end for like literally days. I, but uh, getting exactly. back, yeah, getting back on this topic of of shallow water fishing, um, and there's, we have some good questions coming in from the folks, but we'll get to that in a second. But, you know, when you talk about practice and your research coming up to an event, and you know that you're going to spend the majority, if not all your time, shallow. I mean, are you looking for a specific pattern throughout practice? Are you looking to have, like, a select number of areas that you can run? I mean, what are you looking more for for, like, a tournament coming up, whether it's from your map study or it's literally your, your two and a half days of practice? Yeah, really, it's you, you hit it on the head with the areas. Finding as many, getting as many bites as you can. And, and not necessarily one area. Obviously, it's nice to get a bunch of bites. But um, my, my perfect practice is to be able to get, get some bites, get some confidence going. Not, not so much that I have to be doing, I have to be flipping and pitching. Like, I don't go into something like, this is all I'm going to do type of deal. I, I try to stay away. It's really hard to, um, but try to just keep an open mind and keeping a bunch of rods on the deck that you can just be like, well, the wind picked up. I feel like I should throw a bladed jig here, or I feel like I should throw a spinner bait, you know, instead of flipping or swim jig or this or that. So keeping an open mind, but going through and find, getting in bit in a number of areas, that's uh, my perfect practice. And just going, you know what, tomorrow or first day of the Derby, you have some confidence. You think you can go catch some fish in places, get some bites, but I want to figure that out on the first day. Like I want to kind of let that unfold my first day of the tournament, if that makes sense. And it's, right. it, it's so hard to explain because at the end of the day, you, you know, you plan the, you plan the fish for four days, right? Uh, obviously top, top 50 only make it on the third day, but I want to learn as much as I can. I basically just for like, I don't want to call it survival the first day, but like just getting, because you're setting the hook on them all now. So being able to set the hook and seeing how the rotation went, seeing how, where all the boats are like, so you're, so you see how everything unfolded day two. And, it, and it, I don't know how many times I've done it th this past year. 
I've always feel like is my stronger day because I get my rotation right. Does that make sense? I figure yeah. out what figure out what worked. I figure out what didn't work. And I could just adjust on the fly without having some set plan. All of that came from practice just by having some areas. Like I'm a late boat draw. I'm probably not going to get to this area. I'm going to be the fourth one in line type of thing, you know? So I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do what I can do and just get, try to generate as many bites as I possibly can. You know, I'm not out there trying to not, not that you aren't going out there to win. That's not going out there to win. I feel like when you play small ball like that, you just kind of, Oh yeah, got a three. You did, you know, I got two keepers here, caught a five, go down the bank. Some, you know, go over here, caught another. Next thing you know, you're like, how the hell do I have 18 pounds in my live well right now? But I do. <laughs> and the whole time I wasn't really risking a lot of stuff. Right. I did what I was going through my stuff. This was, you know, I wasn't going out there just this is all I'm going to do type of thing. And day two, I'm like, hey, this worked. This didn't. I'm going to spend more time in this area tomorrow. This is where I got, you know, my better quality bites. And then by day three, you're you're really jiving. Right. And you're really trying to put it together to make it to day four. So perfect practice scenario. I don't want to know everything. Sometimes the the places that we go, sometimes you get stuck in the areas where you almost have to find every little detail about it, but I don't want to find every detail until the tournament. So usually what happens is you'll find little details in practice and they worked in practice two or three days ago. And by the time you're fishing the tournament, that little deal has gone. That just that little nuance or that little creep bend coming in that one sock. That that's a done deal, but you're going to sit there, sit there and spend more time because of what, what has already happened. You're not really fishing the moment. So it's, it's so tough to do just to go fishing. Um, and, and the more I fish, just the more I live down here, I'm constantly out making decisions and you guys know the same thing when you haven't been out making decisions, you know, you can tell like, you're just not jiving. You know, when you like when you walk outside in the morning and you just you just feel it like today I'm going to smash them or today it's going to suck. <laughs> like you get just the, the barometric pressure, like you just feel it because, you know, you've done it so many times. Like, yeah, I'm going to have to break out a shaky head. today. <laughs> but then you go and catch them on it because, you know, you you know, you sensed it. You've been there before. So stuff like that just. Fishing that moment, not being locked into something, having you a couple good areas, that's a perfect tournament. So when you're in that practice, you know, two and a half days can seem like a lot of like a long time, but when you get a giant body of water, you know, take like an Oahe, right? That, that place is, you're not going to be able to cover maybe half of that, if not a quarter of that in two and a half days of practice because how massive that place is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so take like, you know, for an example, you know you're not going to have the time to be able to run everything at different times, right? So, like, say you find a good afternoon bite. Do you is that one of those things where you don't want to know if it's going to be good in the morning or not until tournament day, where you're just going to try it, or like, how yeah. do you determine that? Yeah, basically. I mean, if you found it, in the, yeah, if you found you're kind of going to have to take that risk of, you know, if it's going to pay off in the morning or, but you also know, you know, those bite windows and there's it's everywhere you go you know, there's always those bite windows where they start biting and we see it, we see it on live. We see it everywhere. 
they all start biting at the same time. It don't matter if you're up pitching the, the dang rocks on the bank or if you're out in 20 feet of water, everyone starts to catch a fish, you know. So putting yourself in those areas when they, you know, but maybe you figured out that bite. Okay, that bite window's 2.30, you know. It, they start biting again right before check-in or they start biting right. again right at noon. Uh, it's first thing in the morning and right at noon type of deal. Uh, yeah. I found, you know, there's always those two windows. It seems like everywhere we go, it's just figuring out, you know, what exactly, what time usually it's going to be. Is it going to be one o'clock? Is it going to be three o'clock? Um, but typically in something like that, I, I would probably go, I wouldn't put my, put all my eggs in the basket of showing up there first thing in the morning. If it, if it was an afternoon deal, just for the sake of, that bite window is pretty critical. And I know how they go, how they can, they can, you can be around fish. Doesn't matter what you're throwing. If they're not biting, they're not biting. Right. What's uh, we have a question here from Mike B. He's asking what depth do you consider shallow? Knee deep. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, shallow, it, it's too deep. <laughs> I say, I say five, I say five foot or less. Five okay. foot or less is, I mean, but that's, you think about it. If your death finder says five feet and you try to jump in and touch the bottom, it's seven. Yeah, exactly. It's a yeah. lot deeper. It's a lot deeper than what you think it is. So, I mean, them bass are only about this tall and they don't need a lot of water. And, you know, they're predominantly most of them or I'd say most of them, but a lot of them live shallow. Like some of them just live shallow year round. Um, so they don't need a lot of water over their head to feel comfortable so that that is one thing when it's reading two or three foot you feel like you're shallow but really it's coming coming up there so they got they got plenty of room <laughs> i've had to learn that the hard way people are like you know like you gotta fish shallow well you gotta go shallow words where you're kicking up mud and it's like that's a that's a mental thing in itself but at mm -hmm. times of the year they they get there mm -hmm. you know it, it, it's about to get that time again where they're going to get in this much water um, but they can be big ones. So right, you're John Coxing it all the way back there. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he'll figure it out one way or another. Mm -hmm. He'll find his fish <laughs> for sure. So we have a we have a really good question here uh, from Jordan okay. McClare, and he's saying, okay. "How long do you keep one rod slash bait uh, versus another uh, in your hands if you're not getting bit?" So like, take a take a good milfoil bite. Right. So you yep. like how you hinted that earlier. I'm only going to get six or seven bites. Well, say it's 1230. You got three in the box, three good ones, but you don't know if you're going to get two more bites for the rest of the day. Like, How do you know to keep it in your hands or pick something up? That whole mentality. So maybe. So if that's in a tournament, by that point, I've kind of got an idea of what they're biting as far as bait selection. Um, so. So if you're in practice, I'm going to change stuff. I'm going to change stuff frequently. If I'm not getting bit and I feel like I should be getting bit, I'll change it. And I don't really set a time limit on it. It's just one of those gut deals where it's like, okay, I should have got bit there. Or maybe you, you hit a couple stretches and you're like, I should have got bit. Now you got to start thinking, is it bait or are they even there? Right? So I'll, I'll change. I'll change fairly quickly because – uh, a lot of times you notice my, my favorite thing is like top water. Like, okay. If you try to go throw a frog, how many times you pick up a frog and 
the first 20 minutes, 10 minutes that you're throwing a frog, you get a bite. Am I right? Like, yeah, quite a bit. When they're on it, they're on it. But guess <laughs> yeah. what? When they're not on it, you keep throwing that frog and you keep throwing it. And they should yep. be, they should be eating it. I caught them yesterday. Four hours later. Four hours later. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's a good, like, that tells me right there how, and now that's top water. I get it. That could be finicky deal, but it just shows, it shows me how quickly they can just turn to, you know, you're throwing the right stuff to you're throwing the wrong stuff. Or vice versa. Um, so when you give them the right presentation, they're going to bite. Um, so changing quickly. Now in a tournament, in that situation, if I'm only getting five to seven bites, um, maybe if the if the weather's changed or something, maybe if the wind's picked up, you change to a different bait that either is you know gives more action, so they can find it, uh, or it's more subtle because it's bright, sunny and slick, calm, but more times than not, if I got three in the box and I'm flipping grass, I'm going to, I'm going to ride or die with the same bait because meat and potatoes, like meat and potatoes. at that point, you're going down with the ship. Like I'm going to stick, <laughs> you know, you went through practice. You got a cup, you got bit on a couple baits or two different colors. You got to ride with it. Like at that point, it's all about your odds. And what are your best odds of getting a bite? And that's placing it in, in as many different spots as you can before you got to leave. Um, you know, every single pitch counts. And um, that's a whole nother, whole nother topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Being, being efficient and stuff like that, because I don't know how many times, and it's been like this every year where you make a call in the last 10 minutes, five minutes, literally 10 minutes to go and you caught what you needed to catch and you think about what got you to that point, you know, how, how you, you did this and you moved here and you moved there. And if you would have been slacking or slow or, you know, not hustling and, you know, people laugh at us for running up and dropping the trolling motor down. Well, and, and I'm up before my marshal and I'm not the only one, all of them are doing every, every one of our guys is up, you know, most people are, but that little bit of time adds up across the day. And it's going to give you three more casts. I mean, how, all I need is one cast, <laughs> you know, that's all it takes to catch a fish. Um, so just being able to make as many casts in a day, as many pitches, as many presentations, putting the odds in your favor at the end of the day, it all comes in. You're like, Oh, I caught a fish and three casts to go. How do you, how do you even add that up? You know what I mean? Like all of this stuff and it all comes down to that. Um, yeah. I can Ellie's one too. I, I've watched a lot that, I mean, even in practice, dude does not let up. He'll run to the back of a pocket and it's full of timber and I'm idling and he'd run past me wide open because he's not given one second to anything else besides finding fish. And that is in practice. So I'm sure in the tournament, dude's wide open too. <laughs> uh, sure. so, so just it all boils down to that that last little bit, and and you look at how you got there. But yeah, that's a whole nother. Trip. I just like got vivid imagery of Hunter sitting there, like listening to some music, and like just ripping by like ten feet off the side of the boat. Full pad, yes. like just full gone. pad, and the, <laughs> like just flooded stuff. Field. Just yeah, yep. 
But my thing, <laughs> but he, exactly. did, he did it all the time. But my my reasoning for that is like, well, if I knock my lower unit off, I'm out for a half a day. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I do tend to idle those places. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, when you talk about catching fish to like the last 10 minutes, I don't know if it would be a Hunter Shryack video without you catching a fish with like, 10 to Dude. 20 minutes left. It's like, it seems it's, like every tournament you have. It is. It is. You're like honestly. rushing the last five minutes. And I'm never, <laughs> and it's not like made up either. Like it's actual, cause it's, you can tell I, the way I'm acting that it's like, oh my gosh, I needed this. This is it. Like it's so, so nuts. So I've learned to, you know, because you know, it's just a matter of time. And, and it, a lot of that's like, goes back to mental. People will get spun out. You know, you're, you don't have, we only got to catch five fish. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can you can suck all day, make a hundred bad decisions, but all you got to make is five good decisions, five good casts, five whatever. Like and and you look like you knew what the hell you were doing when really <laughs> it's. I mean, do you ever? How many times have we just went out and everything just like I smashed them? <laughs> <laughs> Very <laughs> Only when smallmouth fishing. Only when that is that is the best feeling ever. Am I right? Yeah. That is the like, best feeling ever. Uh, St. Lawrence River this year, I had to finish a top fifty to make it into the classic. Yeah, no, top forty, top forty, or you don't make it to the classic. And I think it was the second day. I, I put like 18 pounds in the boat by like 10 o'clock, which isn't nothing up there, but I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. And it was the best day of fishing I've had probably for like years. <laughs> Just so it. relaxed. <laughs> Went yeah. from like up here with stress level to like, just chatting with my marshal. Like you got some more beef jerky, bud. <laughs> Go over yeah. here. See if we can catch some more. <laughs> it's always that like doesn't that. happen it's- often. No, no. So you appreciate those moments when it's like a moment of bliss when you get like an hour or two of fishing when you know you have a giant bag or like you know you've accomplished your goal for that day. And then you're just like, it's fun fishing after that point. Like it's nothing's like, I mean, obviously there's stuff on the line, right? But like your mentality is so much more clear and things flow a lot better. Yeah, unless you're Timmy Horton, you go eat a freaking pizza. But yeah, that's a different. Oh, you got a hundred grand. Hey, if you got a hundred grand waiting on you at that point, I would too. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm just gonna take it back, nice and slow, to get back to the dock so nothing breaks. <laughs> but that that is my that is my epitome of tournament bass fishing. You named it. So, so yeah. I've never won a tournament yet, so I can't really say that's the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but yeah. knowing that you did your job, right? You made yeah. good decisions. Like that is like the best feeling. Mm-hmm. That's what you. That's what I I feel like I work for all the time just to get to that point because it's like this is worth it to to feel like this. Yeah. But there's Catching a lot of times that. Yes, yeah. it, it, a lot of times you're like you don't feel like that though. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just keep we keep asking for more. Like, well, I, I need to do better right. on this and it, right. yeah, getting checks isn't good anymore. And this I need to do, you know, it's a constant. Yeah. But that's that's competitors in general. So Oh, for sure. You have to uh, and that's obviously yeah. Uh, you're not gonna be successful if you don't have that mentality. That's right. Um, 
But there's a so that's a good segue in this question we have from our buddy Joe LaBarbera. Um, and he said, uh, Can you talk about uh, adversity you had at some point? He'd like to hear about your day two of Smith, uh, what that was like for you mentally. He meant to say how you got burned, not hope you got burned uh, after being there for so long, and uh, how you're better today for it. Um, yeah, I spent. Oh my gosh! We've struck We're a point. About- See what you did, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> just snap, just flashback. I, I did feel like this year with the classic on the line was just. I, I, it was actually more stressful this year because knowing that you had to. Smith actually went pretty well. Like obviously, I wanted to qualify for the elites. I spent like three and a half weeks or three weeks there prior to that just fishing right i found and this is a prime example prime example of what we're talking about shallow water fishing i went fish shallow stuff i had shallow docks i had shallow riprap all this stuff that i could catch bass off of first day i caught 12 pounds same deal as lake norman like 12 pounds and you're a hero i think i was in the top 10 or something or right there near it next day what do i do I go right back to all the same stuff again to Mm. think that it's all going to happen all over again. Right. Go to the same docks, went the same stretches of riprap. I had opportunities to, to catch fish or at least, you know, do what I needed to do. Didn't capitalize on it. But the bottom line was all I had to do is just go fishing in fishing the same type of stuff. But I, at that point I wasn't enough of an angler to know that I wasn't confident enough to, to go to a different stretch of docks that I had fished in practice, but I didn't fish the first day of the tournament. So, you know, and obviously I zeroed day two, zeroed and still qualified. I think I finished 50, 58th or something with 12 pounds. So still ended up qualifying. I think I finished second. Yeah, I finished second behind Lucas in the Southern Opens. But that's a that's a prime example of not being, you know, versatile enough to to just go fishing, let the day, you know. And there was guys fishing around me that wasn't fishing around me that day uh, or the first day. And so, you know, more pressure. I caught fish. So the whole thing, just I wasn't as much of an angler. Like, I'm still, I'm still learning this day big, big time, like, I started fishing in 2012, so you could imagine that's nine years ago. Am I right, yeah. Bailey? Should I ask Bailey for the math question? <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. seven or 14. You don't <laughs> But now it's it's something new all the time, so it's, it's, it's a never-ending process of trying to balance that stuff out. Um, but, yeah. You know, being honest with yourself and being like, yeah, you were an idiot. You made some dumb decisions. And I still make really dumb decisions, um, you know, but that whole deal that, you know, you've got to be able to pick up and just go elsewhere and be comfortable with doing it. <clears throat> That's a big hurdle mentally for just about every single angle. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think there's an angler that excels in saying, oh, okay, I'm not catching me. I'm just going to leave. When, after, when you've had such a successful day prior – it doing yeah. the same thing. And it's that's one thing that's really hard mentally just to pick up and go because 
at least for me, without my brain works, if I pick up and go fish something new, I'm like 30 minutes later, I'm like, hey, maybe that place reloaded. It's probably back on. I need to go back there. Yeah. And you waste another two hours not catching crap. And you're like, well, I shouldn't have never left. Like, so that's why I like. That's why I like areas. That's why I like the area thing in practice. It is is a big deal because you may you may come. There's so many times that I've fished an area on the third day that I hadn't fished since practice, but it was like a last like my other stuff's trash. And now I've, I've gone to this, which was like my plan D and I somehow made it work to be an okay, you know what I mean? Like an okay tournament. So, yeah. you know, maybe not, maybe it's not just going fishing something brand new. And there's times that you just got to run past something that looks right, you know, and you're like, I'm going to fish it because it, it fits what I'm fishing. This looks right. But I'm I'm more so keen on having having some extra areas that you have had in practice. Um, and that's and honestly, like our I know you were saying like our practice two and a half days is short. I feel like our practice is too long. I don't like having two and a and it's not even two and a half. It's more it's three days of practice because mm-hmm. what happens in three days of practice with our group of anglers. There's, well, there's, yeah, everyone finds the same stuff. Hmm. I would so rather. How, what ideally would you want? Two days. Just two? Two, two days. Yeah, two days. <laughs> Four. Two, <laughs> that's my math right there. <laughs> two days of practice because here's the thing. Then you can't look at the whole lake, right? You don't get to look at everything. That's the principle of it. We're too good. I, I'm not saying we're. Our collectively group, as a group. Collectively as a group. You know, they're they're going to catch their ass over and over again everywhere they go. Why do we need three days to break down a body of water when one angler can cover that body of water? Yeah, they may not know every creek, cove, whatever, but mentally they broke that body of water down easily in three days. Not all of them, but a lot of them are. They're going to fish lower, mid, or lower, mid, and upper, and boom, they know where they're fishing. And guess what? Half the field's here, half the field's here. See what I'm saying? Where I'm, yeah. I would, if it was two days, you don't get near as much time. The fish don't get near as much pressure because, you know, you're not three days of practice. By the third day, if there's a shallow pattern and everyone's on it, I'm out. Because guess what? Half the fish been caught. Even in our group, they catch a lot of fish. <laughs> yeah. So, so a lot of this stuff, like even in the opens, when you get two hundred boats and you got guys there for a week, that changes a lot. Oh, with that fishery. Yeah, dude, it burns it. What happens? <laughs> what happens the first day that you're there? You go out and you have eighteen to twenty-five bites. Mm-hmm. Am I right or more? And guys were smashing them the week before. They're like, I don't know what happened. I'm like, well, because everyone was smashing it for two weeks straight. Every two two days, a day before, two or three days before the event, it's like this. And you feel it. Like, you feel the pressure getting to them. You're not getting as many bites. So Mm -hmm. that's where I feel like two days of practice for us would be, I don't know if that had happened. It'd be pretty cool, though. Yeah, <laughs> you I just can't, can't say the same thing. Yeah. It, but at the end of the day, you're going to have more people that found something to themselves, right? True. Because 
prime example, Bassmaster Classic this year, everybody showed up to Texas in June, and a lot of guys were fishing offshore. I mean, like three quarters of the field was offshore the first day of practice. And I'm up flipping bushes. I flip bushes for, we have four days of practice. Yeah, four days of practice flipping bushes. I dang near flipped every stretch of bushes besides the one that Hank Cherry fished. So, <laughs> yeah, I suck. <laughs> but, uh, but my point, day two, there was a couple more guys that slid up to the bushes. By day three, everyone's fishing bushes, right? The fourth final day of practice for the, the Classic, nearly the entire field is all fishing bushes. Now, if we would have had two days of practice, I would have had a day up on all those guys, right? And I would have had how many more stretches of bushes. But now they all got to try the stuff that wasn't working and still got to find the same stretches that everyone else that stayed shallow fish. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. everybody talks and everybody says this and that. And by the fourth day of practice, everyone's doing the same damn thing. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. <laughs> but if so, you only had two, you only got you only got that one day to find find your stretches of bushes in that scenario. Yeah. One day yeah, of I practice. Mean, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All uh, the technology on the boat. <laughs> yeah. uh, actually, I got two questions from that now. Um, but one, the, the classic, you know, I've seen guys go back and forth on you know, the guys that are fishing bushes. Uh, some guys throwing braids, some guys were throwing flora. What were you throwing? I was flipping braid to a fluorocarbon leader. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I saw some guys were throwing like a braid to mono. I saw that a little bit. Okay. Like, I know Matt yeah. Robinson's throwing braid to mono just for the. I guess he said it would be abrasion resistance or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably about the same thing as what I'm doing with the fluorocarbon. Just. My thing, I mean, you can flip straight braid in the bushes. Um, I feel like you got to upsize the diameter because, you know, you put braid in a bush or on wood, it's going to have a yeah. tendency to cut into it. So right. as soon as it cuts into it, that the line to the fish goes slack <laughs> and that fish can do whatever it wants. Um, right. So with the, yeah, with the leader or, and, and I'm not, I just don't like, I don't like straight fluorocarbon. There's there's nothing right or wrong about it. Berkeley big game. That's it. <laughs> but the uh I mean everyone has their own deal whether they want to flip fluorocarbon or braid or whatever it is. It all comes down to your efficiency on the water and how you put fish in a boat. You know, if you right. can if you can use a heavier rod and that's set up with fluorocarbon and you you catch 98% of them stick with it. Uh, for me, it's, you know, I just found out that, that what works for me, I use a little bit lighter rod. I flip braid to fluorocarbon and it works. You know, you look at someone like Greg Hackney and he'll flip straight braid, you know, he's still going to catch him, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and he's going to land 99% of them, um, because he's confident in his setup. So, um, you know, having a good, you know, practicing with something like that, figuring out what's good for you, how your hook set is, uh, is a big, big deal with all of that stuff. It's definitely a method when it comes down to it all. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, 
we have a question here, and this is uh, going to be one of our last questions, and we'll start wrapping it up with some uh, some fun questions. We don't keep you too long tonight. Um, <laughs> and Joe's asking, uh, what's your everyday go-to confidence flipping bait? Uh, color, size, hook, line, rod, rail. He's asking for a full nine yards. Your gotcha. So uh, <laughs> definitely, obviously, the pit boss has always been a staple. Between this, between the pit boss and a creature hog, a Maxent creature hog, I've definitely had the creature hog in a lot more than what I have, you know, thrown the pit boss as of late. Uh, but having that pit boss being able to flap. The other cool thing that Berkeley came out with this year was the chigger crawl. And mm-hmm. I used, I love flipping a chigger crawl back when I started fishing. Like that was like one of the only baits I used to flip was a chigger crawl. Um, so they have that in max scent too. So I've been playing around with it quite a bit, but I use that on a seven, six medium, heavy veracity rod. I use it on a eight to one ALF Abu reel, uh, 50 pound braid to uh, Berkeley X five braid with a 20 pound, hundred uh, percent trialing 20 pound fluorocarbon leader. Don't, don't ask me that again. <laughs> tongue twister <laughs> tongue twister but no 20 yeah 20 pound fluorocarbon with 50 pound braid um and i tie that with a alberto knot so it's nothing special people shake their head i mean like i said it's it's just what i can efficiently I like alberto i'm with okay you. yes thank you everyone else is like <laughs> fg fg not if you tie an Alberto there. knight, you can get it just as slender as an FG, and it's just as strong. See, I've never seen – I've, like, never seen an actual FG compared to them both, I guess. But, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I can tie mine pretty – especially when you do it with light line, you know, 10-pound braid. That, that knot, I'm not worried about how small it is. <laughs> I don't care if I'm casting hair jigs or anything. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, so I've tied Alberto's a bunch for spitting, and I've never had a problem, but I have had issues when it comes to casting trying it, but I think it depends on your hook set when it comes to that. Like, I don't think when well, you have, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, when you have a 50-pound braid to 20-pound floral, I mean, you're not hitting them hard, right? I mean, you're you're doing more of like a like a punching hook set where it's more of like a reel. And yeah, slip. My, I have my a really, really weird hook set. It's kind of, it's actually a bad habit, exactly what you said from punching like you know punching you don't some people crack i don't like to crack them i just like to real pull down into them right Mm -hmm. like you're pulling a rope and my flipping or my pitching setup just for normal wood or laydowns i do the same thing but i'm also using braid to fluorocarbon so right a couple times the place that'll get me is when they swim out if they swim out from a dock or something and you got to reel down, that's the tricky part. Because now you you got to really slow yourself down because you tend to reel down, leave a little bit of slack so you're not you're not tightening up on them to where they let go. And you go like this and it pops, right? Yeah. Not not that not that I'm breaking my line, but I'm like I'm jabbing that fit like I'm ripping a hole in its mouth. Right. Uh, instead of a clean, instead of just a clean pool. Cause you look at a lot of my hook sets, I go, I feel it here. And I just go like, that's, that's all it it's is. It's the old drop shot or hook set. Yeah. It's, that's just, what it's it is. not a lot, but it gets if you go, all the time. <laughs> if you, if you go out there and hold that bait <laughs> with straight braid, 
or hold that hook, you're going to have a dang four aught in your hand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's going yeah. that little bit of pressure. Now, if I did that with fluorocarbon, I'd never land a single fish. I'd reel yeah. my bait in and the hook point probably would have never left. Punch it off. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. serious. Like there's, yeah, no, you know, it, yeah you, and then you look at uh, Hackney and he's just, I mean, he, he don't slack them, but he feeds it to them like really good. So uh-huh. I think it's to each their own. I still got to fix mine for sure because I don't like the way I do it right now. I, it's kind of like a bad habit, but still I can, I still have a good landing percentage. I just don't like how I can get out of shape when you got to reconnect with the fish. But like when they, if they eat it and and I'm here, I he's mine every time. Like I'm not going to lose him. But if he's moving, that's when you get in trouble with that setup. With, with that setup, are you? I don't know if you said it. If I apologize, if you have already, uh, are you an EWG or a straight shank guy? No, I just use the Berkeley flipping hook, uh, the four op straight shank. Okay. 99% of the time. Sometimes I'll use a three off if I'm using, you know, like the Pit Boss Junior or something, but four off all the time. Berkeley Fusion 19. Are you uh, pro Snell or anti Snell? No, I'll Snell it. I, no? I I go back and forth sometimes. Like I'll t- just, you know, tie the pa- Palomar knot, but sometimes I'll Snell it. I guess it, it, it is. It's a situational. It's a situational thing for me. Certain situations. Just confidence in in the moment. Something like when I'm snatching them out of a bush or something, I'll snell it. Um, but I've also, you know, it's so hard to say how much it actually. Like you said, the debate of it, right? Right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> First, <laughs> I do, just whatever works for you. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's it, just so exactly. personal. It's, you know, it's fishing. And that's where fishing <laughs> comes down to. It's all your personal confidence. Yes. So yep. personal yeah. confidence and what's your landing percentage. At the end of the day, you can get them to bite, but you got to be able to get them in the boat. So absolutely. And there's a, a thousand different ways to do it. <laughs> but if you're back in a hundred, then then leave it that way. Right. Change. <laughs> yeah. Don't change. Yeah, I think not broken. Exactly. Right. Uh, I think was I think it was Pollock that had something about the whole knot deal, right? And people talking about FG and you know should yeah. we snell, should we throw an FG or straight shank? And he goes, well, if, if you're not missing fish and you're not getting them in the boat, I mean maybe then you change. But if you're catching fish and getting them in the boat, don't change anything. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Keep rocking with what you got. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, we, do, we do make it too complicated sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, man, I I hope the dude's doing okay right now, but a guy whose headspace, I don't know if I could ever live in with how he thinks, but like Aaron Martins and how he critiques every little moving, tinkering part. Oh, right. my God, I'd be stressing yeah. all day long. Like, that's, just, <laughs> that's just Aaron. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He does come up with some – Pretty pretty good stuff though. I, I gotta go. Oh yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's crazy. But I'm not I'm not on the I don't know. I've been around a, a lot of young anglers and they're like, well what what do you think they they what do you think the fish think that is? I have no idea. I don't think they care. Like they do not I don't I don't try to like envision this is going to be a crawfish to them, like, or this is going to be a bluegill. Let me, 
certain times, but more times than not, like the bass is is just territorial. They're aggressive, and you catch, you know, you get around them at the right time, they're going to eat. They're going to eat a dog turd. Like, yeah, they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it is literally a turd, like a, a poop lure that that looks yeah. like that people throw now. Like, but I, bass are like like labs. Like, why did my black lab eat a lighter and TV remote, including the batteries? I don't know, but, but she did. Like, it's same thing with bass. I don't know why they ate that. What they did, <laughs> like when they oh, eat man. a spinnerbait and it's bright sun, no wind, flat calm, like makes no sense. But you throw makes it sense. anyways, and one eats yep. it. Yeah. And then you spend two hours, and like I don't know why I didn't get bit again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yeah, that happens. It happens. Yeah. It does happen. But they're not as smart as we make them out to be. I, I, I tend to, I tend to make them smarter though than what I think they are. <laughs> That one did not read the book. Yes, no, exactly. He did not get the memo. Fast don't read the same book as what we do. No. <laughs> no. Well, uh, well, Andy, do you got any questions left for Hunter before we hit him with our last question here? Yeah, man. Uh, go ahead and hit him. Well, Hunter, our last question for you we like to ask everybody that's new to the show, uh, and that is if you could sit down with three different individuals and have a steak and a beer, uh, they do not have to be in the fishing industry. They could be present uh, a thousand years ago, or they could be currently alive. What three individuals are you going to invite to sit down, have a beer and steak? Oh, and man. That's tough. Um, it's a fun question. <laughs> that's tough. That's really tough. My, my, uh, my dang superhero growing up was Lance Armstrong. And then come to find out that he cheated. (laughs) But I'd still sit down and I'd still sit down and have a beer with him, probably. You know, because I read I read the book that the whole the whole nine yards and live strong everything. So I was he was a big part of my childhood growing up. Like you know, you being determined competitor stuff like that. Back when everyone wore the the yellow Livestrong bracelets, and now you won't see a single soul wearing them. I think I think my little brother wears them. Still, I don't think (laughs) I've seen those since like high school. (laughs) Um, I'm gonna go with Dale Earnhardt for number two. Dale Earnhardt. Do you just want to be the intimidator? Like, is that your goal, dude? You just want to intimidate him. That'd be sick. Number three, baby. Let's go. <laughs> and then I'm gonna say my grandpa for number three. He passed away a while ago, but we'd always go fishing back at his pond. So I learned like a lot of stuff. And I'd always he'd always tell us when we'd walk into the house, hey, there's you know, the wind there, it's a northeast wind, it's gonna be really slow today. And I'm like, what the heck is grandpa talking about wind for? Like, we're fishing, grandpa. It doesn't matter. And we'd go back there and we'd only catch 20 bass instead of 50 like the day before when it was blown out of the South. So he like, he had the farmer's almanac out and everything would tell us like we are or aren't going to get bit. And I'd be like, grandpa, I just wanted to, would want to tell him today. Like, Hey, I remember you saying all that stuff. It made sense. (laughs) You were right about a lot of that stuff. And I was an idiot. (laughs) I had no clue. (laughs) 
but that would be back fun. in the days when we'd go fishing and would never check the wind or the weather and yeah, nothing would show up with a plan in mind like i'm gonna throw a frog today even though it's blowing 50 and snowing but i'm gonna That's throw like, a frog <laughs> bright blue bird skies front whopper, whopper. <laughs> yeah well, there's no yep. wind. It's just so sunny. They ought to eat it. <laughs> yeah. But then it's weird. You have days like some of your best top water days ever when it's bluebirds slick calm and they're eating it like a cannonball's falling from the sky. Then it just know it. when you go to do that again, you're like, what the heck? Like, why? What caused you to do that? I, I and think why top would you water is like one of the most untraceable types of fishing there is because any given moment it can just go off for no reason. Yep, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, like oh, there's that. a there's a tree sticking up here out of the water. Let me just throw a popper by it real fast. Yeah. And then all of a sudden yeah. you'll go, you'll see another one 100 yards down and then two more and never get bit again for three years. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I know, I've had to learn that frogging lesson hard time and time again, where I'd have be, be on a frog bite in practice or something, and then you know, the front comes through or it switches to a north wind. It's always like the second day. It seems like it just hits them. And mm. they'll, they'll they'll keep you just in. And it's like a froggy type of time, you know, maybe it's springtime or whatever. And they're, they're eating it. And all of a sudden now it's just different and you can't get them to eat it. But they keep showing themselves, you know. <laughs> they'll miss it by like five feet. And they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> and you just keep throwing it. Because it worked the day before. <laughs> like, nope, you should have just threw a wacky worm in there. <laughs> so, like, I actually, I actually have one more question before I wrap things up here. Uh, being a junk fisherman, how many rods, you know, in a, a, a regular tournament do you have on your deck that you only plan to cast, like, three or four times? Quite a few. I, I mean, I'll get the... I try not to, not to get too many out for the tournament, but if it's one of those situations, I mean, I'm going to have every one of them out that I'll need for that day. I'm uh, If you ask a lot of the guys that camp around us and stuff, they'll, they'll tell you, they'll make fun of me because I'm always the guy. I'm like Aaron Jr. when it comes to doing tackle. <laughs> it takes me forever. And Aaron uh, Martins would always be uh, like the last guy doing tackle. I mean, I'd be camped beside of him, and I remember it was St. Lawrence River. He was up at 2.30 in the morning. I got up to pee. We got a fish. Like, get up at 6 or 5. He's still out at 2.30 in the morning doing tackle. I don't know what he was doing, but, I mean, he kicked my butt that week. So, <laughs> I can't really say much, um, but I, I'd i take a lot. Like, I'll, I'll rig up, dang, three or four of the same rod. So, just – so I don't have to retie, but I'll have I'll have every rod that I'll need out on the deck. Uh, but typically, it's probably not over ten rods, so five on each side. That's not bad. You know, it's here pretty, pretty much for the most part. So yeah, for the most part. Yeah, we'll all start. I, I won't start out. Yeah, I won't start out with twenty rods, but maybe by the end of the day, I'll I'll keep digging them out. And have 20 yeah. rods out. My favorite is seeing like Patrick Walters fish because I think he has every rod in his rod locker on deck and they throw jerkbait all day. <laughs> like, like, but it all goes back to like having those little windows and yeah. I'm sure he's probably seen that situation where it's like, you know, that one, he, you know, especially if he's seeing them or doing whatever. Yeah. 
for that one situation, it, you got to have that to throw at it, you know, and that's it, probably that's probably the deal. <laughs> it's so funny watching him on live because he'll try to like get a rod out and then he'll give up because they're so tangled together and he'll just pick the jerk bait back up. I don't <laughs> like, like that. I'll forget about it. <laughs> I don't like doing yeah. that. I try to keep my my rod locker to the point. That trips me out if my line's in there getting all nicked up. Mm-hmm. I take that. Yeah, he's got to have massive arms after this year for throwing a jerk bait every single tournament. <laughs> Like I get tired after thirty minutes, and he did it for yeah. his eight, forearms. Eight, 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 yeah, Popeye. Yeah, good gosh. But all right. Oh, well, Hunter, dude. Yeah, <laughs> dude. We just want to uh, say thank you for taking yeah, the time out of your night. Thank you, guys. Show. I enjoyed yeah. it. I didn't feel like we were really live. I just felt like we were just chatting. So that's always that's better that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's cool to have everybody tune in and ask questions. So we we appreciate your time. We're sure the viewers and those listening to the MP3 really appreciate you taking the time to come on this, dude. And uh, we didn't even get to talking about branding. So I think what we're going to have to do is uh, get you back on the show a little bit, uh, you know, this winter. And we'll talk about building the brand in the fishing industry because that's something I think you've done a really, really good job at. Uh, It's obviously one of the more notable names when you talk about brands that you've built within this fishing industry because it's cool to see the niches now <laughs> oh come on now give yourself a little credit here uh but dude we seriously That'd appreciate cool. it and uh we're looking forward to getting you back on the show man i appreciate it thank you guys i just want to say too we are going to do i'm going to throw this out there sorry interrupt you x2 x2 power giveaway an x2 battery group i believe it's a group 31 agm giving it away on thursday so for all of you out there that need new batteries be sure to tune in all you got to do is like comment and want tag uh, x2 and all you all you got to do is tag a buddy and it's done you're entered to win like a dang 500 hundred dollar battery what is it mm-hmm. four four hundred five hundred they're not cheap they're not cheap but they're not as expensive as lithiums and after no, that's this a season, fact. After this season, I'll tell you, tell you what, with the, the whole – and I've been getting bombarded with AGM questions lately because I think I guess everyone's getting their boats or redoing mm-hmm. stuff on their boats. Shallow water fishing, you will burn up trolling motor batteries, and this is the first year that I haven't burned up. Andrew knows you fish on Erie enough, you're going to burn up your trolling motor batteries. <laughs> but this is, oh, yeah. it, it's the oh, yeah. first year. It's the first year I haven't had any battery issues, which is saying a lot because I feel like what it's not what we do just fishing like you know when I'm fishing at the house, but when we're fishing a tournament, you're fishing for how long? Uh, practice daylight to dark, and then your batteries get to charge for maybe eight hours. They don't get to charge as much as what they should be charging. And you do that for three days of practice, and and then you get time for the tournament. Well, usually that's when you run into issues is right before the derby because you've ran them down, and they haven't got a full charge each night. And so then by the you know derby day, you're faltering. And for them not to falter this year, like, they get my approval. They've done a lot, mm-hmm. like, totally, completely impressed. So that's my yeah. plug. <laughs> it's no, not even think, really a plug it's like an honest no, thing every single year i yeah i literally carried um three battery charge like you know the ones you buy from walmart those mm-hmm. 
like $50 chargers, I would have three of them with me. And anybody that had battery issues would always come to me because I knew I had a spare charger. Like <laughs> I would literally be hooking up three batteries at night and, and hooking all my trolling motor batteries up to three different chargers. In the morning of the tournament, I'd have to rehook them all. It's a mess. So I'm glad yeah. I didn't have to do that. It's, <laughs> so I think, you know, really, really fast, I mentioned the, the, talking about the batteries not being cheap. Uh, this is a segment of fishing that you need, it, you get what you are paying for. Like you don't yeah, almost exactly. don't want to go cheap because if you go cheap, you should not expect to be on the water for that full day. Yeah, that's where you should spend a lot of money is in your batteries so that it keeps you on the water. Uh, it's, you, you go yeah. through so much other, I want to say bull crap, but we you go through a lot of work to get out on the water. Like, mm-hmm. that's the last thing you want to skimp on when you're actually out on the water. It's like the difference mm-hmm. of, you know, buying, are you going to buy a, a normal bladed jig or are you going to buy the jackhammer? So if you're going to go throw it all day, you're probably just going to buy the jackhammer. So yeah. <laughs> if, if you want if you want to go fishing all day, you should probably just buy the right dang battery and not have to worry about it. Or yeah. you just have a bunch of headaches like what I did for years. So <laughs> well, folks, about, if you get talk about yeah. stressful. <laughs> yeah. well, for the folks that want to uh, go get a shot at winning that, um, Hunter's social media is all linked down below in the description. You guys can head over there and you said it started on Thursday. Thursday. Yes, Thursday. I believe so. You guys have the chance. Yes. Nope. <laughs> so go follow. Make sure you guys are following him on social media, and you guys can get entered to win that. Uh, but dude, uh, it's been real. We appreciate your time, and uh, like we said, hopefully get you back on before uh, your 2022 season starts, and uh, we'll talk some branding. But other than that, dude, we're big fans. Keep doing you, and we appreciate the time. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Had a good time. Thanks. Brother. I'm gonna go Bye, see. Man. I'm gonna go see if my fantasy football team did any good. <laughs> Monday night. <Sounds> <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll talk to you. Have a good and, night. And we'll get the lacrosse helmet. I got it right this time. <laughs> there sure are no rugby, rugby helmets. It's a rugby helmet. I was watching rugby night football. <laughs> yeah, something like right. Dude, those got you messed up. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll Have see you. Night. All right. We'll see you. Good, man. good grief. <laughs> so we talked about it a little bit, Andrew, but do you want to tell the folks about my uh, miraculous or uh, what do I want to say? Lackluster math I had oh. on Saturday. <laughs> We're like, I was calling, I was calling fish. And I'm like, yeah, I think our smallest fish is like three Oh something. And you're like, Oh, so what do we think we have? I'm like, Oh, probably 13 pounds or something like that. No, you're like, and you're like, oh, like 12. I was like five times three equals. twelve. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Perfect. I so <laughs> I more say that half serious, but also like half jokingly because I'm so superstitious because like I hate coming in and being like, Yeah, I think you got seventeen pounds and then you come in you got fifteen and then it's really embarrassing. So I always way undercut it because then it makes you feel good when at the end of the day. <laughs> it was just funny. I was like, So our small one is three and a quarter, but you're saying we have twelve. Yeah. Hey, you never know how many gobies like and crabs. Nine, twelve, fifteen. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> do we have a four fish limit? <laughs> Where's this math going? Like, in my yeah. head, it's like I can't think about this right now. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs>
Well, I'm going to put this up really fast because I have a shameless plug. Uh, so PowerPool chart system is good, but uh, Mincoder now has a new chart system out. It's basically uh, now you can run lithiums on the chart system. You can run everything. Uh, lithium, AGM, lead acid, all of it. Uh, go check it out, the PCL chargers that Mincoder's got running. So, Sorry, sandwich plug. But, uh, but dude, uh, we have some cool stuff coming down the pipe the rest of the week. Uh, Friday, we have Joe LaBarbera coming on the show. Uh, Deacon's got a really cool episode coming out tomorrow. I believe Deacon has a show in the works for Wednesday. Uh, if not, he'll be uh, – if Deacon isn't able to get a episode out on Wednesdays, he's actually been running some of his uh, stuff that he's aired prior back on Business from the Bass Boat so that folks in the Serious Angler that for some reason haven't listened to Business from the Bass Boat, which you should, uh, you guys will be able to, to listen to that because we like to bring the business side of things bring you guys additional content that's cool within the fishing industry and we hope you guys appreciate it. So, but uh, before we go, if you guys are still tuning in, uh, if you're on the YouTube, we always appreciate everybody that can give this thing a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel if you're not ready. Uh, and on Facebook, like, and share. We do appreciate that. Uh, share this whole deal with your friends. Cause we like to teach people. We like to teach fishing. Uh, and most importantly, we like to learn. Because uh, that's why you guys are here. You guys are here to learn. We're here to learn. We're ho hopefully, you know, we're learning from Hunter tonight. Uh, so hopefully we can help share that and learn together. So share it with people. Uh, let's teach more people bass fishing. Um, if you guys are watching on MP3, actually, not watching MP3. I'm getting tired. Uh, if you're listening on MP3. Uh, three, three times five equals 12 and MP3 equals video. Yes. See, we're at that <laughs> statement. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if you guys are listening in MP3, uh, we really appreciate it if you guys leave us a rating and review. Please. It helps us out big time. But, uh, Andy, anything else for the folks? I hope my bruise gets better. You poor thing. It's like you've <laughs> never gotten on an A-rig bite before. I mean, I have, but I've like normally it's my ribs, and I can handle the ribs, but that actually hurts because I have to carry stuff and pull. When oh, I pick stuff up, I'm like, oh. No, it's it's literally fine. I just think it's funny that I got a bruise for catching so many fish. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was well, a folks, wild Saturday. That was a wild. Like, I think you guys will really enjoy that video. That would have been a good day, uh, day to have that GoPro 360 because we were literally we were catching a crap ton of smallmouth on A rigs, but every fish we bolt flipped was going in the back seat, so no one really got to see any fish. <laughs> well, it it was wild because. Like, you'll probably be able to see it in the camera angle when it comes out. We could literally throw our A-rig and spool our reels because it was blowing so was hard. 40, yeah. Yeah, from the south. And we're drifting south to north on the lake and casting to the north. And we're trying to reel it in against the current while drifting to it. And a smallie would freight train it, like, 100 yards from the boat. And you're like, oh, God. Here we go. And you would lose them and then keep reeling and get another one and lose them. <laughs> it was just insane. Yeah, you're just real, real, real. She's <laughs> holding on for dear life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But either way, that should be a good show for you guys. Uh, obviously, we're trying to put more effort into these videos. We do have some equipment upgrades coming down the pipe. I don't know when because there is an inventory issue. We won't leak that out yet. Uh, but once we do, we hope that the, can, these can uh, – I can't even speak right now. Hopefully that these will take our fishing videos to the next level. Basically is what I'm trying to get at. But before uh, I can't speak and I slur my speech even more, I swear I'm not drinking tonight, 
Uh, we're going to call it a night here. Uh, thank you again to Hunter for taking the time out to come on our show tonight. We really appreciate it. Learned a lot because you know me, Andrew, I am an offshore guy at heart. So for me to learn more about shallow water fishing is huge. And I know you appreciate it because you love living shallow. Uh, I don't like dog fishing, mountain. but I love shallow fishing. So. <laughs> yes, I will agree. I hate yeah. dogs. <laughs> so. But folks, uh, we appreciate you guys. As always, uh, we appreciate you tuning in. We'll see you guys on the next one. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Searsanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.